Broadcasting live from your regularly scheduled program, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. And I'm Gareth Strother, back finally from my long hiatus of being off. I just graduated from my undergrad. I moved, which is why my audio quality is so bad right now. I'm still figuring <laughs> out exactly how to inhabit this space and record in this space. So lots of big life changes, very exciting stuff. Uh, and I'm sorry that it's impacted our ability to be on the airwaves, but we're back. We're back to our weekly episodes. Hopefully, I think we should be able to maintain that schedule once again. And I'm really excited to catch up on some of the things that we haven't talked about over the last few weeks. Yeah, me too, man. I think I I teased it a little bit on the cutting room floor. If you folks want to go back and see our little fun behind the scenes uh, in between mini drops, you can you can hear a little bit of that. But I'm I'm really excited that we're finally gonna uh, dive into the multiverse today, my man. Me as well. And I think we're not going to do news this week is what we've been talking about just because there's been so much building up and we can't possibly keep track of, let alone talk about all of the things that have happened since our Northman episode uh, a few weeks back. And I definitely want to touch on some of that stuff as it unfolds. I just don't know what's going to be the most relevant to our listeners. So if there's anything that has happened over the last few weeks that you want to hear us talk about, you want us to give our takes on, or you think it's relevant to things that we've talked about in the past or things that maybe are coming up in future episodes, go ahead and tweet us at PCR underscore podcast. Send us an email at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Let us know what pieces of news you want to hear us talk about that we that we haven't talked about since the Northman. Yeah, I'd be really interested to, to hear what folks are thinking, because like we were discussing, we remember absolutely nothing that happened. Somehow we're just in the next uh, next full episode, and we're going to have to definitely catch up. But guarantee there's going to be some good news coming up next week that'll that'll remind us of some stuff we missed. We'll, we'll circle back around all the important stuff that, that is uh, still coming out with more news. Definitely. But I think it's time to move on very quickly to our main segment, which is, of course, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. This week's main segment is Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And this is one that we, I mean, we've had in our back pocket for a good couple weeks now. And every I, I at least hope a, a lot of people have had the chance to go out and see it at this point. So... I uh, I'm I'm definitely excited to get into the nitty gritty with it because even even me and you together we haven't really delved deep into this one even though we went to the theater to see it together. Yeah, I mean, I think that's because and if we're just talking right, our general impressions of the film that I think while there was definitely a lot of Sam Raimi in it and there was a lot of really interesting directorial choices, formal choices. It looks better than most Marvel films do. Mm. I think at the end of the day, it's still very much stuck in the Marvel box. It wasn't nearly, I don't think, as multiversally challenging as people (laughs) expected it to be, as certainly I expected it to be. I expected it to have almost Avengers-level consequences for the trajectory of the the MCU mm-hmm. and I'm not trying I'm not holding the fact that it was trying to tell a smaller scale story a more character focused story against it I think that's a plus does it work we'll talk in spoilers but um, <laughs> uh, I think that's part of the reason that we're not so like you know uh, Charlie Day with his board of of string and cork <laughs> being like what does it all mean and what is, yeah, what does yeah. this imply and I think it was just so streamlined and I think in a good way for the most part that there hasn't been a ton to really unpack the way that we usually do when when something like Spider-Man No Way Home or The Avengers right, comes yeah. out. Yeah, I I think you're definitely right on that. I I think me and you and and probably everyone else who went to see this had pretty high expectations after No Way Home, after what we got in Loki even if we're going a little farther back, like things yeah, that definitely. seemed like it's a bigger linchpin in the next phase of, you know, whatever crazy bad guys and good guys that are coming in hot for this, that, that they're setting up for all this new stuff. But I, again, my expectations weren't quite met on that end, but 
in that way that makes me feel like it was still a movie going experience that was more than just like all right I got to check off my regular Marvel box. I was still excited to go in there and see stuff that I wouldn't have ever expected at all and was maybe a little more subdued than what I was expecting for sure, but still completely enjoyable, I would say. And that kind of like Marvel roteness, that kind of obligation, I think that's a feeling we should come back to in spoilers. Because I think there are two ways to look at this movie, and I think they're both valid forms of criticism that the movie is asking us to look at it as at face value, which is what you and I generally prefer to do anyway. Mm -hmm. Because I don't really care, for the most part, about this cinematic universe world-building stuff. I I care about the story. But then there is also the way to look at it as just its own movie. And I think that's definitely the way Raimi was looking at it when he came into Mm -hmm. this, was we're making our own film with our own story. It's taking from the rest of the cinematic universe. It's leading into new things, but... He's entirely focused, I think, on like what he's doing in the moment, which I really like, and I think we should talk about that more broadly, the distinction between those two things and that disconnect between those two things when we can talk more fully in spoilers. But overall, I did enjoy this movie. I liked it. A lot of people complained that Raimi didn't come through at all. I didn't think that was true. I think he was definitely, unmistakably, the director of this movie. Oh, yeah. Was it way tamer than... Every other Sam Raimi movie? Yes. Was it definitely more watered down with other Marvel-isms? Absolutely. But if you saw this movie and didn't know who was attached to it, you would know it was Sam Raimi. I think so, too. I I think we could both agree on that. And maybe that's because we, you know, like we were saying, I think, in our last full episode, that we are, we're Raimi boys. We we Certainly. Paid our dues in the the Raimi-verse. And like you're saying, though more subtle- for sure, like, unmistakable in, in any right. Well, let's talk about the actual performances and characters that are going on in this film, because that, I mean, is the core of a film, right? It's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I think Cumberbatch is doing a fine job, as ever. I just don't really connect with Strange on a character level, I don't think. I don't mm. think it's Benedict Cumberbatch's fault. I think the writing on him is consistent and fine i don't really like him as a character i don't necessarily think we're supposed to to be honest yeah i've, I've always seen him as a little like a little more boring tony stark i guess or a little less funny tony stark i like his power like his powers are what draw me in truly like the wizard powers but at that point i'm just like i'm just there for wong at that point it's like he's got the powers and he's likable as hell and great that's the thing. It's the gallery surrounding Strange yeah. that's really interesting. I like Mordo. I think Mordo's a cool character. Um, oh, yeah, totally. Wong is obviously our boy. Uh, he's in everything now, which is a really interesting Like, he made the joke, I think, on Twitter, the actor who plays Wong, whose name is... is Benedict Wong. Yes. Yeah, yes. Of course. How could I forget that? And he was like, we're, we're in phase Wong or something. <laughs> and I was like, kind of, yeah. I, I think he might be the new, like, truly, no jokes. He really is the new Nick Fury at this point. He's, like, connecting the dots here until we come together. I think they're going to Coulson him in the next Avengers movie. I will be so upset if that is true. <laughs> Wait, Coulson him is in, like, Kill, kill him, him off kill and then bring him back later with zero consequences. Well, I don't think they're going to do that because also that's not canon anymore. The Agents of Shield is not part well, I thought of it the main was, line though. canon they're, like, now. Sprinkling that into the to like Endgame or whatever. Oh no, no, that was Agent Carter. My bad. Yes, Agent Carter is still maybe kind of somewhat in the universe or at least the old universe the way it was before Captain America redid it. Wait, so am I crazy or has Coulson not been back in the MCU at all? No, Coulson, the only thing he's back in is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that That's is completely ins- not in the continuity <laughs> anymore. So. Truly, I have Mandela affected him into like at least a couple Thor movies or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What? How did we get here? I don't know. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Olsen is really good in <laughs> the Multiverse of Madness. fantastic, honestly. She's oh, the best part minute. of the movie. I yeah. know what we were doing. I was about to defend Benedict Cumberbatch a little bit in this movie because as, you know, multiverse as it is, I, I don't want, I don't know even know. It's on the poster. It's in the trailer. It's spoilers, I guess. Like there, he plays a range of Doctor Strange's that I, I think that with that range shows a little bit more of 
that character and Benedict Cumberbatch playing this character, you know, way more than anything else we've ever seen in even his, you know, first standalone, all of his goodies in Endgame and, and all, or, uh, Infinity War and all that. I, I think at the very least, this was the most interesting amalgamations of of Doctor Strange that we've seen in a, in a long time. A range of Doctors Strange that shows us definitively <laughs> that we got stuck with the most boring version of that <laughs> yes. character is the main line. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Good God. Cumberbatch is allowed to come out of his shell a lot more in those other roles. I was hoping that we would get a British Strange. Um, oh, honestly. if only. I really wish they would just let him be British. Uh, that's something that's uh, yeah. always bothered me. It's like, <laughs> Doctor Strange doesn't need to be American. There's nothing... Like, Tony Stark, that character, needs to be an American. That's important right, to that's him like as very, a character. Right off the bat, that is that is a part of him. Or just like Spider-Man. Like, Tom Holland does an American accent as Spider-Man because he's gotta be Peter Parker from Queens, right? That's just the way it is. But Doctor Strange, I don't think there's anything so inherent to the identity of that character that comes from being an American. Mm. Or even a New Yorker. I guess, like, he lives in the Sanctum Sanctorum, but he's off on these crazy adventures. That's what I do appreciate about this Doctor Strange movie, is that we get to see Doctor Strange doing real Doctor Strange stuff, I think. And, and that's what I liked about his presence in No Way Home as well, is that we were doing, like, crazy Doctor Strange stuff in a way that we didn't get quite all the way into in the first Doctor Strange movie. And I appreciate mm-hmm. that that was an introduction to this world and to this character and this kind of magic in the MCU. So I know that you can't go full throttle right away, but I'm glad that Multiverse of Madness really opened up the gate for us to do crazy vortexes in the middle of space and like disintegrating fractured dimensions that are just floating oh, yeah. around each other and big jumping from thing to thing like the end of Inside Out. Yeah, definitely. I'm a big, big, big fan for sure. But I, I also cut you off in the middle of what you were about to say about Our Lady Wanda. So as the other lead in this movie... It... Elizabeth Olsen, I mean, she's shown what a good actor she is throughout this franchise. I talked a lot when we covered WandaVision, which I go back and listen to those episodes if you're interested. I don't think that Scarlet Witch is a consistently or interestingly written character really at all. And I didn't like WandaVision. But I do think that Elizabeth Olsen is fantastic in WandaVision, and I think she's even better in this, because I think the writing of her character in this is much more compelling, even if it's not necessarily as consistent with where she left off mm. at the end of WandaVision, which is something we should talk about in spoilers. Does that matter? Uh, who's to say? <laughs> yeah, but, that, we'll definitely dig into a lot more of that, you know, WandaVision connection stuff there because lots of things to expound on in in just a little bit for sure but i agree she she knocks it out of the park she's very compelling i've always always been a big fan of her just absolutely insane hand movements she keeps that (laughs) up great I, i think she's lovely and of course america chavez the character played by zochil gomez she is doing a good job she's she's doing her thing i i imagine another endless puzzle piece for the young avengers coming together and uh yeah while this was definitely dr strange's movie i would say good setup for the future of this character i would say i i really liked maybe even again just like dr strange's magic just her powers just how it looks and feels on screen is just very interesting and not really what i i guess i didn't know what to expect from this character but because, I mean, I obviously have never read the part of the comics with her in it, if she is in any of the newer comics. But, you know, I thought she I thought she was pretty good. I, I agree. And I think the last kind of jewel in the crown here is Rachel McAdams, who always does a great job in whatever she's in. She was only in the first Doctor Strange, right? She hasn't been in any of the team-up movies. I don't believe so. I think she was in What If, I think. but Oh, yeah, she was, definitely. But... This is the first time that I felt like she and Doctor Strange had chemistry, which is really good (laughs) and important probably to have in a movie that is so centered around them. Their relationship, it starts, obviously, like the very first scene is about their relationship and what what they mean to each other. And especially given what we saw in What If that doesn't really tie into Mm. this movie the way I expected Uh. it to. Yeah, we'll get into that too in spoilers. Yeah, uh, I think that they do have an interesting relationship, and I wish that there was more for Rachel McAdams to kind of do. But what she is given, she does well with. And I think that the way I'm kind of having to pause and Jeff Goldblum my way (laughs) around spoiler points mean that we just need to go 
right on in. I think so too. I, I this this movie, while enjoyable, is an absolute jumbled mess. It, it's madness. It's it's madness in a different way than I expected, but madness nonetheless. First spoiler point. Let's talk about Wanda and the fact that the title "Multiverse of Madness" has less to do with the madness of the multiverse yeah. and the ma- than the madness of Wanda. Right? That's how I take the title. I think that's a pretty good way to take that too. I mean, they try very briefly for a little twist intro of her character you know it's it's revealed very swiftly that she is the main antagonist of this movie we were discussing a little bit of the end of wandavision i didn't imagine the next time we would see her would be sending interdimensional tentacle monsters to assassinate a 15 year old (laughs) girl but you know but frankly, this works way better for me than what happened at the end of WandaVision because she is a villain. What she oh, does yeah. in WandaVision is evil. And that, I mean, literally you have, is it Monica Rambeau is the younger one? or Mar- Yeah, right? Yes, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. At the end of that series, you have Monica Rambeau being like, They'll never understand what you gave up for them, Wanda. It's like, you enslaved <laughs> them! It was actual physical torture for... I mean, I don't remember how long, but a long time. It's a long time. hundreds, if not thousands of people, not to mention the fact that as we see in this movie, hey, you know how your mom died of cancer and that was a big part of WandaVision (laughs) and that was like a whole thing and like maybe there's a multiverse where your mom didn't die of cancer. What if Wanda crushed her with a giant statue after you, you know, did all the stuff to help her? Oh, man. WandaVision doesn't work for me at all, and Mm. I was very vocal about that on this show, but I like the way that this character is kind of springboarded off of, okay, she's obsessed with her kids, she wants her kids back. That is part of what is going on in WandaVision, right? Is that she does care so much about these imaginary children that she's willing to do heinous, evil things. Yeah, like actual interdimensional war crime type stuff. Taking that core concept of how far is this woman willing to go for these fake children in extrapolating that into a, the main antagonist of a film, that worked gangbusters for me. I think the villain is doing a real good job. Totally. I, I think it's it's really disturbing a lot of the, the avenues they go through with her, the, the desperation. A lot Again, a lot of what I liked in the alternate Doctor Strange characters that we see is that like super compromised, corrupted motivations that are, you know, a lot more compelling for being introduced to this. I mean, like you said, she is a villain, like, for sure, but this is the first time we really see her go off the deep end with her villainy, and it's 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 definitely working for me a lot. And I like that as we go through the different multiverses and as she becomes more and more unhinged, more and more crazed... Raimi shoots her like a horror villain. Oh my god, like, yeah. When, when she gets the giant slash of blood across her face and her, like, matted hair. And Elizabeth Olsen, again, praising her physical acting. She can make her eyes go very, very wide. And I, <laughs> yeah. she's very good at that. There's a scene where they're America Chavez, one of the versions of Rachel McAdams, and Doctor Strange are trying to get away from her in one of the dimensions. They're in, like, this tunnel and I'm not, I wasn't scared. It wasn't scary, I wouldn't say. But it was tense. It was, I was actually oh, yeah. tense during that sequence about, like, where is she going to come from? She's this living embodiment of wrath. Super powerful, almost unlimited power. I'm not doing Palpatine, but I know you're thinking <laughs> I did it in, Yeah, I did it in my head for myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> but that she's unstoppable. It's hopeless. How on earth are you ever going to get to her? And I think they do a really good job of really raising the stakes of how dangerous she is. And Mm -hmm. I wish that the things that she was threatening, which we should talk about, are things that I cared about more. Right on, man. I I just also want to quickly praise that hallway scene real quick. The way, again, that Raimi is, is turning her into this absolute frightening sight to see and... She's almost got like a Terminator, it follows kind of like, you were saying, unstoppable. You can put as many barriers in the way as you want. You can go down the Nostromo tunnel and lock every airlock door, but that thing's coming for you. 
And ultimately in that scene and, and a few really good other key scenes where she is, you know, very close to them, the horror comes through the jump scare. Like there are a few actual jump scares where it felt like they were fulfilling a lot of the horror promises that came forward. I, I will say I maybe wish they went harder in that direction. I mean, totally. obviously they couldn't. Disney was going to put the kibosh on that when Raimi's like putting like practical gore effects in, in this <laughs> Geysers you know, Marvel movie. Blood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just decaying bodies every. Well, well I guess I... their hands are disturbing when they hit the dark hold, and they just have like bony, frostbitten black fingers. Is is gross as hell. Well, I was really surprised that we got zombie Doctor Strange. I thought that was a great <laughs> yeah. rainy ism. Yeah, definitely. That it's it's again not the zombies I was expecting. Actually, it's. Neither of the I was expecting two different kinds of zombies, and I got neither of them. But still, <laughs> very fun. It, it was <laughs> giving me that like intensified, like jacked up, steroided weekend at Bernie's style showdown at the temple at the end. is very, very fun. Again, I come back to that sequence is built around two relationships that Strange has that are being threatened during that climax, which are his relationship with America and his relationship with Christine, Rachel McAdams's character. Mm-hmm. I just do not think they put anywhere near enough work into making me care about his relationship with America Chavez. I did not buy... There's this question over and over again throughout the film because we see another Doctor Strange willing to do it. Is Strange going to sacrifice America Chavez's life so that he can protect the multiverse, right? Is is the life right. of one worth the lives of millions? The power that she possesses, this multiversal tear power that Wanda covets mm-hmm. so that she can get to her, her fake children. Strange, is he going to make the choice to sacrifice her? Is he going to make... Do they say out loud, or is this just a thing I thought about, like the willingness that he had to sacrifice Tony Stark? Oh, I think that's just something that you connected the dots on, because I don't know if they did say that out loud. Because that's definitely something I was thinking about even during the film, is like... Yeah. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, to quote Wrath of Khan. So, like, this idea, which I think there is a little bit of spockiness to Doctor Strange Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know. And this is bringing me back to something I've been thinking about. At least I was pretty into the way they started this movie. They kind of just jumped right into the action. They... Yeah, I, they didn't set up any of the America Chavez stuff. They didn't let us in on the different. Stri- I mean, he looks different. Doctor Strange looks different, and I mean, we saw the subtitled <laughs> version, and he has a different name, kind of subtly different name. But I almost wish they took that extra time to focus on her jumping around to a few different Doctor Stranges who consistently let her down before she stumbles on our boy in the prime universe but i also wish our boy in the prime universe got to spend more time with her because i think again they do this thing where they split his attention between her and christine and you can only get one Mm. of those core character relationships you only get one in in a movie like this and the one that works better unfortunately is the one that's less important to the actual plot of the movie which is christine and also if you want to see a better version of the way that his relationship with Christine in this movie is handled. Watch the episode of Lost the Constant. Uh, You can watch (laughs) it in a vacuum, I think. I don't think you need to know anything about Lost if you just jump in. Again, you've been begging me to watch Lost forever, and I want to, but maybe that would just be an interesting experiment to do for myself before I dive really into it. But if you're going to watch Lost, watch Lost. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But if you don't have any interest in watching Lost, just watch The Constant, because it would be a great 40-minute short film. Right on, okay. Just very slight tangent to say um, <laughs> even the relationship with Christine, while stronger than the relationship with America Chavez, suffers from the fact that it, just not enough attention is paid to it. You know, ultimately, this is a superhero movie, so it's about the big battles, and I think the big battles in this movie are way more compelling and way more coherently structured than anything we've seen from Marvel mm. in a really long time. The fact that Raimi is using these, these wide shots with very basic, like, left-to-right or right-to-left movement to keep track of where the geography is. He doesn't quick cut. He doesn't move the camera mm. around in a bunch of impossible CGI ways. It's shot like his Spider-Man action is shot. This is definitely a, a very big, exciting moment in this movie. The fight between our version of Wanda and the Illuminati. Whoa. Ooh, yeah. yeah. 
big, wide, open space in their big, weird headquarters to have this crazy fight of characters that we were just thrown at us uh, out of nowhere. I mean, I guess we knew about at least Patrick Stewart. It, but we didn't know which version it was, to be fair. We didn't know. That's true. Love his weird yellow wheelchair. Yeah. Love that thing. I don't I don't know. I guess that's what, from like the 70s comics? 90s, the ni- and the 90s cartoon, which is, I mean, oh, they yes, play of course. the X-Men theme when he comes in they, yeah they go, uh, da, 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 da. i can get on board with this even though i don't really care about the x-men i do like that cartoon <laughs> i i love the x-men even though i very rarely watch that I, I i hate that i say i love the x-men and i've only ever seen the live action <laughs> ones that are half very bad i watched some of the cartoon when i was a kid it would be on like the wb or whatever Oh, yeah, yeah, Kids WB, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, between, like, Looney Tunes and, and King of Queens when it would switch to adult programming. <laughs> hey, man, you gotta fit a couple episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh! in there that yeah. are completely out of order and make no sense. <laughs> I liked the inclusion of him, I guess. It didn't really do anything for me, and it, it seems kind of sad to me that Logan seemed like such a nice send-off for Patrick Stewart's mm-hmm. version of... I mean, I know it wasn't the X-Men universe version, the Fox version of Professor X, but it still seemed right. like that was such a nice send-off for that character, and I'm like, eh, this was just kind of whatever. Yeah, it's it's a little extra... I mean, how many years ago was Logan at this point, though? I was Like five was or like, six, yeah. maybe? Like 2017, I would think. Though I, though I do agree with you. I, I think that it's all for the it's all the fan service. I mean, I, 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 I felt like there was... Almost a big reaction for what's his name, the quiet guy. Oh, uh, um, uh, <laughs> uh, Black Bolt from Black the Inhumans. Bolt. Yeah, uh, he was he was fun. He I've was never really heard fun. of him in my entire life, but I dig his powers. I'll say I think most people when they would dive in to talk about this movie would talk about the Illuminati sequence first because you were talking about it's all about the fan service and it is mm-hmm. just like they're like okay, Sam Raimi, you need to. <laughs> you need to have a scene that's fan service. And he was like, okay, here we go. Let's Before we talk about the big one, we, we already <laughs> talked about Professor X. We talked about Black Bolt. We've got Captain Mor- Carter. Yes, uh, from from What If. From what, though fun. not the What If, I don't think, Captain Carter. Oh, no. I mean, um, maybe, I don't think they I guess? can. I don't know. I don't understand. How we're gonna, in a little bit, we, we're going to get into the the multiversal BS. And I was going to say, because, I, because they do go through some animated multiverses in this movie, so that implies to me that the what-if episodes are set in universes that are animated, right? That is how I would take that. I, I, yeah, I, I suppose um, that would be the way to take it. Uh, and then uh, we already talked about the fact that Monica Rambeau in this universe is Captain Marvel, presumably Brie Larson- Carol Davers. Yeah, yeah, right. Because of the whole Vers thing. I, I right. never Veers, forget it. right? Veers, like, yeah. Just like uh, <laughs> uh, Julian Glover from The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. She, I guess, didn't get to become Captain Marvel, and in this version, uh, Monica Rambeau is Captain Marvel. But of course, the smartest man alive is somehow John Krasinski. I have no problem with John Krasinski being Mr. Fantastic. I think it's fine casting, but it's something that people have been clamoring for since mm. the beginning of the MCU. As far as I can, as far as I can remember, Krasinski and Emily Blunt have been the de facto choices for Mr. Fantastic and Sue Storm fan casting circles. And especially after the Fox acquisition that like absolutely reignited right away. And like you said, right on. I was very excited to see it on screen. Very fun and surprising. They teased us with the Patrick Stewart. For the trailer, and they they left that quiet just for us, and lots of fun. He gets turned into a, a ball of yarn. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> well, because they dropped Baxter Foundation like five yeah. minutes before that, and you and oh. I were like, Whoa? Hmm? Well, I thought that was it. I thought yeah. that was just like our little nudge of I like. I also thought that. I also. And then I they agree. just slapped us across the face with the with the Krasinski drop. I don't know if he's gonna be the mainline Reed Richards. Are they going to build out? Like, is it going to be like Zach Efron and Emily Blunt and, and some <laughs> other guy Efron. for the thing? Are you telling me Zach Efron's not the front runner for Human Torch? I think that would be, excuse the pun, kind of fire. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> I think it should be Taron Edgerton, personally. Uh, Ooh, I think damn, that would really be good, good, too. But people want him for Wolverine, I guess. So, I don't know. 
Oh, interesting. I got to see him with some mutton chops on and then I'll decide. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really care about the Illuminati cameos as much as I care about how fun the action sequence is that they're involved in. Oh, you mean the massacre? I yeah. loved it. Yeah, watching all of them get destroyed instantly after also them going like, oh, we can handle it, you dummy. Get out of here. I, yeah. I, I, it was great. Black Bolts. That was the moment for me that I was shocked was allowed to be in the movie. That was Raimi's one attaboy from <laughs> Disney. It's like, all right, you can have this guy's skull cave in and yeah. like explode or whatever it's and that's what you're that's your one because sure i guess captain carter gets cut in half by her shield but we don't really see that happen it's more implied yeah yeah also i feel like we've didn't we see that in something oh i guess we saw that in the zombie what if oh we gotta talk about that okay never mind okay hold Wait, on we got what do we, we, got, we, oh, oh. we i'm getting ahead of myself seamus because we're talking about the illuminati right now i think it was fun they didn't overstay their welcome they got their comeuppets and you know i'm if i ever see black bolt again i'll be really jazzed <laughs> are you gonna go back and watch the inhumans now hell no dude absolutely not <laughs> Though I was happy to see that guy on social media after the movie came out, and he was like, the weirdest secret I've ever had to hold in my entire life, but I'm very happy people enjoyed me. And I, I, good for that guy. He was a delight for me. How unironically dumb the costume looks. <laughs> yeah. I think it was how seriously they took him as like... It felt like an episode of The Boys or something. I was just like, about to say, it's like the Batman guy from The Boys. Yeah. It felt Whatever like that. that. Yeah, the uh, Knight? Who's that? I believe his name on the boys is Black Noir. I think you're right, because that's ridiculous. I want to talk about one more cameo before we talk about the thing that I almost got ahead of myself to talk about. Yeah, lay it on me. Um, The Pizza Papa always oh. gets paid, Seamus. <laughs> Where is... Oh, Tattoo, maybe? <laughs> That's pretty fun. That's pretty fun. Because I was about to say t-shirt, but then I'm like, why not just go all out? Maybe one of the stupidest and most satisfying end credit scenes I've ever seen in the history of the MCU. And I'm sure people were so mad because I'm sure they were they were like expecting, you know, yeah. Doctor Strange to find like Reed Richards in his timeline or something or not timeline, yeah, I, the multiverse, whatever, wh whatever. Yeah, so, so something like that. But I thought that was even better than the Spider-Man Homecoming end credits joke. That's yeah. it's just perfect, punchy, amazing. Because oh, punchy! A, there you go. It's so Raimi. It's it's the yeah. wide <laughs> lens. It's the breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> it's Bruce Campbell, bloody and insane yeah. looking. <laughs> What, what I, more could you possibly want? One of my favorite things that I've been thinking about, especially considering that end credit scene, is when Spider-Man came out, No Way Home came out, people were tweeting Bruce Campbell like, "Where? come on, where are you at, where are you at? And he was like, don't you worry, I'm in the better one. Don't you worry, mine's coming up. And we got Pizza <sighs> Papa. Oh, the best. Absolutely hilarious. He does the Evil Dead 2 thing where he beats himself up after Doctor Strange enchants him. Which, again, <laughs> yeah. Doctor Strange is such a jerk. No, yeah, what a jerk. Like, he, he walks away and nonchalantly lets out. He's going to beat himself bloody for weeks. And that is my that is his punishment for asking to be paid for the food that he's serving. <laughs> the pizza papa always gets paid. <laughs> Oh my god, uh, the best. I think this is my letterbox review, but Pizza Papa Mephesto confirmed. I want him to come back and be like, oh, Pizza Papa always gets paid. And he like eats a soul or something. Uh, what if season two is coming, Chambers? So <laughs> Oh, yes. America Chavez walks away without paying him and he pulls out the Infinity Gauntlet and goes, fine, I'll do it myself and charges into the MCU. <laughs> It's like Deadpool kills the Avengers, but it's Pizza Papa kills the Avengers. <laughs> Honestly, Pizza Papa showing up in Deadpool three, I'd be uh, I'd be all about that. Yo, yes. Should we talk about the multiversal stuff now? The inconsistencies in what we have in on our plate. I think we should wait, just okay, because I want to okay. get I want to talk about this point first, and I think that will help us talk later. Okay, which is, sure. There is no Loki in this movie. There is no Loki in this movie. I really, really, really broad topic. <laughs> I have been I very. I think this might be exactly what I was about to get into anyway. Okay, so we good. should. Yeah. So I have been very frustrated vocally on this podcast about how I feel like the 
episodes and seasons of these Marvel series. Just like the Star Wars series have become, with the exception of Obi-Wan, I'm enjoying that so far. That it's a build-up to a payoff that never comes. That it's just like kind of spinning its wheels with these kind yeah. of mundane action sequences. Then they drop a cliffhanger at the end of an episode. And then you come back next week and it's like, oh, well, that was a crazy cliffhanger that got resolved immediately. And now we're going to spin our wheels for another episode until we can do another cliffhanger. And that's why I've really fallen off these Marvel shows. And the only one that I thought was exempt from that, that I've watched. So I haven't watched Miss Marvel yet. I didn't finish Moon Knight. I'm not oh, yeah, going to finish <laughs> Moon Knight. But I thought Loki was structured like an actual television series with consequences and stakes mm-hmm. and where multiple things happened in an episode which I thought was fantastic. The cliffhanger that that leaves off on is so interesting and so exciting, and I know they're going to have to fully explore it in Loki Season 2. There isn't enough room in this Doctor Strange movie to have Loki. Now we're talking about it on a separate plane, right? Yeah. We we finished talking about Doctor Strange as a film and as how it works internally, but now we have to talk about it as a cog in the Marvel machine. To me, the thing that was getting me to check all my Marvel boxes, as you so often put it, Seamus, is the promise, and I interpreted it, Mm. Multiverse of Madness, to be this answer, especially when they confirmed Wanda was going to be in it, that eventually the payoff that was always postponed, the payoff that never came, was going to be Multiverse. And yeah, it wasn't. It was like Wanda almost was that. But even the fact that it doesn't tie into Spider-Man in any meaningful way, because it was implied by the end credits of... Spider-Man, that it was a direct result of Strange meddling with the multiverse in Spider-Man that brought about the multiverse of madness. That is Mm -hmm. not at all what happens. It's not a direct result of Wanda messing with Westview that opens the multiverse of madness. It's a completely incidental thing. So now it's just, you're taking things that you recognize and you're going, well, that was crazy what happened with Spider-Man or whatever, but... It's not kinetic. You think about the way that the Avengers operate. Yes, dude. That phase one is structurally perfect. You can say what you will about the rest of the MCU. I certainly have. But you have all of these characters. You set them up. You give them their own journeys. And then the kinetics of those journeys lead you directly into that first Avengers movie. What happens in Thor is integral to what happens in the Avengers. Loki is the villain. What Loki wants is important. Captain America waking up, that sacrifice, coming a man out of time, he is important. Working for S.H.I.E.L.D. Everything that happens to Tony Stark, there are other characters in the movie that I will not address currently. (laughs) But it all is building to a pressure point, to a breaking point, to something where they all come together as a team and it's meaningful and all of the dots connect and it actually works. And that's what people got addicted to. And it's been successfully done since. I think Endgame did it. But the fact that this, for this phase four, right, that we're in... I, th- I think, I, th- yes. Phase four started with the second Spider-Man, I think. The emptiness and hollowness of the majority of those television series made me think that we were building towards a Nexus event in the style of an Avengers movie, and that this Multiverse of Madness was the opportunity to tie them all together because they're all of the things that dealt with the multiverse. Like... It seemed very intense. Not Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's obviously not even sure, a bit sure. on the table. We had Loki. We had WandaVision. We had Spider-Man. All of these things together were dealing with the multiverse, talking about the multiverse, and it seemed kinetically building up to Doctor Strange and then nothing. You're speaking, you're speaking my language right here, man. I think that's exactly what I wanted to bring up. It feels like we've got Loki, we've got Spider-Man, we've got WandaVision... We've got what if. I'm I oh, I know about what if, yeah. we have our problems with what if, but definitively in each one and even in this newest in Doctor Strange, we are setting up multiverses, timeline differentiations, all this different stuff that now feels like they are so separated. Loki didn't do anything in Spider-Man, Spider-Man didn't do anything in what if, what if didn't do anything in WandaVision or uh, in Doctor Strange. And now if we're going to try to eventually move them into one idea, 
you know, we've got the TVA that's not doing anything in anything else. We've got Doctor Strange's spell. We've got the Watcher, who I swear to God I thought was going to be in this movie. And now we have all this new stuff with America Chavez, and it feels so separated that I can't even tell if something like the TVA and the timelines and all the Kang multiverse, multi-timeline stuff even matters to something like America oh, yeah, because, Chavez and her powers at cause, all. Because Kang is, I guess, in in Ant-Man and the Wasp, but then it's going to be a completely different version of Kang, and it's not going to tie into Loki at all, and then we're just going to be in the same... I, we talked a lot about Marvel fatigue on this show. Weirdly enough, we're always talking about it. <laughs> strange, how strange. <laughs> and, and I know um, that we just got done saying we don't really care about the fact that Strange was focused on a story. I wish the story had been better. Mm. But I would prefer them trying to tell a character-driven story than deal with all the fan service and deal with all the connections and everything else. But when we talk about Marvel as a whole, I'm getting to the point where, honestly, this movie is a little bit my breaking point. Even though I really liked in, uh, I, I liked it and I enjoyed it, and No Way Home I liked and enjoyed, mm-hmm. I don't see that nexus point anymore. I don't see the place where this starts to matter. I thought this was the place where things mattered, and I don't want to wade through another several years Mm. of act two before things pay off. I just don't care about watching the shows anymore. I don't care about watching the spinoffs anymore, except for the ones that I want to watch, the ones that I care about. Right. I haven't watched Eternals yet. I I barely watched (laughs) Shang-Chi. Hey, I'll still defend Shang-Chi. And I will disagree with you. Uh, (laughs) I love Aquafina. I love Simu Liu, Wong, Obviously, of course, Tony the man Lung. himself is Michelle Yeoh in that movie. Am I crazy? She's at the end, I... right? She's in like the fake Comertage place. Oh, also, the seizure Comertage in this movie was good. Uh, we didn't talk about oh, that. Oh, but... hell yeah! Again, uh, uh, lots of praise for the fun magical action. Big fan of that. But I just don't care. Nothing feels like it yeah. matters in it's... this universe anymore. And I think Sam Raimi, <laughs> Sam Raimi's Spider Man, he wasn't trying to do a thousand things. For the next 10 years of a franchise, he was telling his story the way he wanted to tell it in a way that has shaped superhero movies forever. And he did this movie with Disney's intentions being to, you know, do exactly what we're talking about here. We're, we're tired. We feel like, you know, the wheels of the MCU machine are just spinning at this point And we're just we're becoming so uninterested. And he made this movie that we both genuinely enjoy. But because of these expectations of what the MCU has become... And what we are planning for in its future is to the detriment of this movie, ultimately, because we feel those wheels spinning and nothing happening. While we're sitting there enjoying Doctor Strange 2, the Sam Raimi movie, we're also being like, what are we doing here in the grand scheme of, you know, where where's our MCU serotonin hits that we've come to know over the last 25 years and... It's it's a weird feeling knowing that, well, again, this movie is completely enjoyable, and I'd like to watch it again when it hits streaming. I think that would be a lot of fun to do another revisit there. I don't know. It's it's such a weird dissonance between a movie that is good and a movie that needs to be a certain way to drive this phase or this you know, next era of entirety of the MCU. It's 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 a it's a conflicting feeling for sure. That's incredibly well put, Seamus. Oh, thank Incredibly you, sir. well put. <laughs> thank you, sir. You talk about those serotonin hits, right? Mm-hmm. The disconnect that we're having is that they've figured out that for general audiences, you don't need to do the work of having a compelling story or setting up new compelling characters or any of the other things that they did so well in phase one that got people hooked on that feeling mm. in the Avengers. All they need to do is give you crap you already know from another thing. Yeah. And that, so they figured out that they can turn every movie into an Avengers-level hype event by just being like, hey, spoilers for No Way Home, Tobey Maguire's in this one. Yeah, guess, pretty much. The, and then same thing with Doctor Strange. Hey, guess what? Patrick Stewart's in this one. Uh, Mr. Fantastic's in this one. It's not about building up those characters to then cross them over. It's about just taking stuff that people already know and plugging it in, and that is so much more hollow, so much less satisfying. It speaks to exactly what you just finished saying, which is it makes the rest of the content, the filler content, before Mm. you get to those serotonin hits, feel aimless, feel pointless. Yeah, aimless is a good 
way to put that. I, what's next? Thor? I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to try to wrap any stuff on that into Thor, but I mean... I, I, I would be... I mean, Thor is a separate thing. I don't really... Yeah. I don't care enough about it anymore to really care at all, but like, I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. Those are still movies I, I cherish. Um, Thor Ragnarok... I enjoyed quite a lot. And that and if, is partially because it's its own story. It's doing its own thing. Mm-hmm. It's not super preoccupied with tying into anything else. Exactly. And frankly, Taika Waititi was better able to operate within the confines of Marvel to produce the thing that he was trying to produce. I understand that there were a lot more pressures on Raimi probably than there were on Waititi. Raimi had all of the the pressures that we are talking about right now to contend with from producers. Whereas I think Taika Waititi was like, they were like, make a good Thor movie. I don't think he had to really do very much. That's true. That's true. And I would also definitely say Watiti probably got a pretty good start on that, considering I think he had a pretty clean slate with what Thor was doing, because he was gone at that point. He wasn't in Ultron, yeah. and he had been disappeared since uh, Thor so, 2? Yeah, since, since Age of Ultron. Or Age was. of Ultron, rather. He, he like... He's like, I'm going to go figure out this Ragnarok business. Right, and yeah. It's nothing. In Age of Ultron, it's nothing like what happens in the movie. They just, yeah, it's, it's a clean slate, exactly. They just let him yeah, they were just like, say, hey, this is what it is. Exactly, exactly. It was like, a, you have to end with Thanos' ship coming, because that's what we need to do. But just, you know, have a journey. But this one, of course, like you were saying, it was so much more loaded with the hype fuel and the, the expectations between all of the, you know, new stuff and the unending constant premieres on Disney Plus and I feel for what the production of this must have been like. I'm I'm sure it was a, a struggle in its own way to get it to the point that it was in in the enjoyable way that it turned out. But man, I'm sure it, it was a struggle. That's why I give so much credit to the fact that it is coherent and fun and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a Sam Raimi movie. And that's all I went into this expecting or wanting because I'm so low expectation-wise on what Marvel is actually going to give me from a satisfying story. Yeah. That, yes, that's exactly. not forgiving its shortcomings necessarily, but it is an acknowledgement. It offers, of yeah, an explanation, not an excuse, rather. Precisely. I hope Raimi, like, he's been away for a long, drag me to hell. Was his last movie, I think, in like two thousand eight? When was that? Maybe. Jeez. I'm glad he's back. I I missed him. I love him. We've talked about Spider-Man two so many times on the show, and someday we'll actually cover uh, it. I was gonna say one day we'll really. That's that's episode one fifty. That's a special. <laughs> he knows how to make a really good superhero movie, and there are moments in this of true heroism. I love. Um, we didn't even talk about. He has a focus on bystanders in a way that the MCU never has. Strange is saving people. And you, and you focus on it just like Spider-Man saves people mm. in those Spider-Man movies. I'm talking mostly about the big squid sequence with, with Wong in the, at the very beginning. I liked that. Right, yeah. We really saw that like the havoc it was causing in New York and the impact it was having. It's not like buildings are being destroyed. I don't care about that. It's like real individual people that Raimi focuses in on, hones in on, and then you see how Strange interacts with them and how Wong interacts with them and how their trajectories are changed because of that yeah i would totally agree with that again wish i would have seen it more this is maybe one of the only marvel movies that i would say could have been a little longer it almost felt like they were kind of rushing through some parts and it's insane for me to even say that because i remember what the runtime on this one is like an hour 45 or something like that hour 49 there's no way this isn't over two hours are you two sure? Hours and six minutes. Yeah. Two hours six minutes. Yeah, it, I remember seeing that being like. Hours, I think. Yeah. Totally. Definitely. Again, that's us being little Raimi boys. We just want more <laughs> of, of his of what he would actually do with the free reign. But I enjoyed what we got. Do you think he would ever do another one? Do you think he, that was just his little peek back into Hollywood and he's gonna go do his own goodies now, or do you think he'll come back? I am still holding out for Spider-Man Four. I really, uh, me really too. want them to do Spider-Man 4. Honestly, with what we have in the MCU now, we are closer than ever in history besides that really sad tweet about, like, 2011 being <laughs> when Spider-Man 4 was going to come out. Yeah. I want him to come back, and I want him to do a swan song, a proper finale where he gets to do what yes. he wants to do and doesn't have all the villains he's expected to shoehorn in, and just, I don't think it'll ever happen. Everything has to be a cinematic universe now, everything has to tie into everything else, and we have to hit the merch, and we have to hit the fan service, and we have to hit everything, but if Raimi was allowed to come back and do the Spider-Man 4 he wants, 
to do and not have any obligations to anything else that's what i want i don't want him to come back and do anything else frankly i want him to make what Mm. he wants to make Um, yeah i hope that he got a really nice paycheck out of this and i hope that he uses that to to make films (laughs) that he wants to make i suspect that might be the case but i guess we'll we'll hear about it in the next couple years and 100 percent do whatever it is for the show Uh, My only final thought is that I think maybe this timelines and multiverses would have been a little more salvaged in terms of cohesion between these projects if Pizza Papa looked into the camera and then we saw a TVA doorway open up in the distance behind him, cut to black. I think that would have been the only perfect way to just just sneak it in there, you know, just make it a little connected. Well, I mean... I don't want to get into it. I think we're done with our conversation. <laughs> I think we're done but here. The, that mid-credit scene with Charlie's Theron dressed as like one of the Eternals or something meant nothing. Oh to me. yeah, and I don't care, right. and I wish that <laughs> Owen Wilson opened up portal. He's like Doctor Strange. I have this guy Loki. Oh. He says he knows you. Ah, <laughs> oh, so perfect. Just another check in the column for why we should write for major Hollywood studios. All you high-powered producers who are tuning in weekly, please contact us. (laughs) I think we should move on to our pop culture reference this week. Please. For today's pop culture reference, we're going to be talking about fake shemps. A fake shemp is when a body double is used and obscured in a film or TV series when the original actor is dead, unwilling, or otherwise unable to reprise or continue their role. The term refers to the Three Stooges, where, after the 1955 death of Shemp Howard, the Stooges were still under contract to complete four more features for Columbia Pictures. In order to complete these films, another actor stepped in, dressed as Shemp, usually playing away from camera or in some other way obscured. Hence, a fake Shemp. A similar technique was used for the character of George McFly in Back to the Future Part Two. After a deal could not be reached for Crispin Glover to reprise the role, Glover consequently sued the production since they did not have the rights to his likeness, leading to the clauses in Screen Actors Guild contracts going forward banning the practice without permission. The term, fake shemp itself, was originally coined by the director of this week's main segment, Sam Raimi. The production of Raimi's first feature, The Evil Dead, was so grueling that many of the actors quit before filming wrapped meaning that these characters were filled by body doubles for the remainder of the shoot. The body doubles were credited as fake shemps. Raimi has kept this up for many of his films, including a cameo at the end of Darkman being credited as Final Shemp. I'm a huge fan of The Evil Dead, and I guess maybe I was watching it pretty young, but I, you know, I couldn't even tell when I was watching that original one back then. I, I would probably, it would be a little more obvious now when we go and rewatch it later together, but, uh, you know, pretty solid work. I, I guess he coined the term, so he's going to be pretty damn good at it. That's what I was going to say. I think Raimi uniquely is hyper aware of the way that those are usually shot so not only is he good at obscuring and hiding when he's using fake shamps i think he and campbell like to pick out in those stooges movies when it's a fake shamp and when it's Mm. old footage of shamp he's uniquely qualified i think to really find innovative and new ways to incorporate those but uh should we move on to our save the rec center let's do it Now it's time to save the rec center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. Garrett, what do you got this week? Seamus, I've already personally recommended this movie to you, but I feel like it is so good, I've got to spread the gospel. This week on Netflix, I watched the Indian blockbuster film that is taking the international box office by storm, RRR, which I feel like we might almost cover for the show so i don't want to get too into a lot of the (laughs) trivia behind it or the minutiae but it is a three hour tollywood not bollywood tollywood epic i've never seen another film like it that i can even compare it to for you it's a story of the unbreakable bond between two friends who are caught on (laughs) different sides of colonial india where the british are occupying india and it is an incredible, heartfelt, super exciting journey that is very much worth your time. Like, just sitting in my room alone, fist pumping in the air, <laughs> screaming, really hyped up. Frankly, you could almost watch it without subtitles, I feel like. Oh, I was actually going to ask if it was if it was dubbed or not. That's an interesting question, Seamus, because it's original, and I apologize if I say this incorrectly, 
Its original language, spoken language, is Telugu, um, okay. which is a dialect in India. Though there is English spoken in the film, Alice in Duty from from Last Crusade is in the movie. Oh actually, no way! And other English actors you would recognize. And that's not dubbed over, but the rest of the Telugu dialogue in the Netflix version is dubbed over in Hindi. Oh, I don't know why that is. But if you go to see it in a movie theater, it's my understanding. Like, if you can find a theater near you that's playing it, which I know the Oriental here in Milwaukee did a one-night-only engagement of it. What? Uh-huh. Damn, if only we knew. I was out of town, ah, unfortunately. Shame. And also, we've been very busy little boys. I don't think we probably would have yeah, made the time true. regardless. Again, it's so well visually told and so coherently told. I almost You should watch it with subtitles. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch it with subtitles. But I think it's a testament to how engaging and how well-constructed it is that I feel like so much of the visual storytelling, it's an action film. It really, when it mm. boils down to it. You texted me while you were watching it that you were like, the title card just dropped like 45 minutes in and that's all I need to know about this movie. I love that it. That is all you need to know about this movie. And <laughs> let me tell you, that time to the 40-minute mark flies, brother. It flies. Ooh, man. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely pumped. I was already going to watch this on your recommendation, but maybe I want to watch it with you just for you to, to do the wave with me on your couch when things get crazy. I would love to watch this with people. So, yeah, you, I, I would love that. Oh, Fritz didn't watch it, did he? No, he didn't watch it yet. So Ooh. our buddy Fritz, he might, might be down, I think. Right on, right on. Well, I, you, you've sold me. I, I'm sure you've sold a lot of other people, too. I hope so. Uh, please go watch it. It's on Netflix right now. Go check it out. What? Sorry, what do you What do you have, Shamus? I got so wrapped up with RRR that I forgot <laughs> to tee you. You were just thinking about the gunfights. I truly was. Actually, no, weirdly not. Weirdly, no? not a lot of gunplay, which is part of the thing oh, that's so exciting about it. I that... Hmm, interesting. That, okay, doubling down, man. Let's watch it. But you, what do you have? What's yes, your rec center? my rec center this week. On our little hiatus, I was fortunate enough to go to the Oriental in Milwaukee. Again, a little shout out. And I got to see the new British horror film, Men. And Yo. I got to tell you, big fan. It's a smaller scale than a lot of the stuff I've been seeing lately, but it was so refreshing. It gave me a lot of uh, mother vibes, which I am also a huge fan of that movie as well. You can see it from the poster of this movie. The The metaphors that they're going for are not the most subtle. It's about feminism and it's about abusive relationships and it's about, you know, healing after those kinds of traumatic abusive relationships. And obviously for horror to be a genre so steeped in feminist and gendered ways of going about this kind of storytelling it just fits right into what you need to be extra spooked and to, you know get a get a very good solid story and message out of it as well like i said the metaphors around everything not super subtle i mean same thing with mother though i mean you, you don't have to be too lost in what they're trying to tell you when you're really in it and you're getting just horrified by some of the most disgusting things i've seen in an indie horror movie in a long long time it, it works incredibly well go in not knowing a ton about it it's definitely really trippy and weird but again that's exactly the kind of horror movie i love um i i walked out of that theater just raving about it looked at my phone just to just to spot what people were talking about and it's got like such inappropriate middling reviews i i just i think it, it is a really solid piece of work and i would recommend anybody to go see it uh despite uh the polarizing stuff i guess that's a good thing if, if it's if it's kind of in the middle it's a, a lot of people are not loving it and a lot of people are loving it is what i've seen and i'm definitely falling on the side of uh loving it so definitely go give that one a shot well alex garland is a filmmaker i'm incredibly fond of and i was very curious about what you were gonna say because i knew you went to see this i had heard the divisive reviews alex garland has never been the most subtle filmmaker i think his most subtle film is somehow Annihilation, which is, (laughs) I think, like you said, it's all right there in the title. And I'm really Mm -hmm. excited to see this one, especially now that you've recommended it. I think you and I think similarly about the way that science fiction approaches real-life topics or horror approaches Mm -hmm. real-life topics. There's been a lot of talk lately about the popping of the elevated horror bubble, especially in the context of A24, which is a distributor of men. But I also mm-hmm. really begrudge the entire insinuation that A24 is in any way its own genre. Yeah, man, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it, because, oh boy, is that climax 
absolutely disgusting. I that's, really can't wait to hear you. That's what I've heard. That is what I've heard. <laughs> I think that wraps us up for our triumphant return from our involuntary so. hiatus. Uh, Season five, baby, or six? Who or, knows? Who knows? I don't know. I think we. I think we stopped keeping track of seasons or anything resembling that a long time ago. But... I, I think we've done pop culture reference the new class like four times. <laughs> I hope not. What if, what if we just bring in two new people to replace us? And If you want to reach the show about becoming a member of the new class, email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. You can tweet us, find us on Instagram and TikTok at PCR underscore podcast. Leave a review, comment, rating, any kind of way that you can engage with whatever platform you're listening on that really helps the show out. And we haven't actually, the two of us, discussed this just quite yet. But I believe next week we're talking about Top Gun Maverick. We're not doing Nightmare Alley anymore. I thought that was slated. All right, all right we'll cut. We'll push it again a week. The Oscars could wait. All right, we're that nothing excited to happen there. We're good. Do you think Top Gun Maverick next week though? I don't want to get too far into it now, but baby boy, we're in the danger zone. Ooh, man. <laughs> I cannot wait to talk about that with you next week, Shannon. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos.